you. Remember, we talked about what it means to give a testimony, to be a witness. So the most powerful way for you to share your faith is not necessarily for you to have some sort of amazing argument or some big outline in your head to say to someone. Really, it's, it's an issue of you bearing witness to what you have seen and experienced. So the more that you learn about Jesus, the more that he changes your life, the more your testimony grows. And what's, what's exciting is that everyone at every level of understanding, even on day one of you being a Christian, you have a testimony. You have the story that led you to faith in Jesus and what the factors were involved in that. Um, so last week we said that your testimony is your story of seeing the light and that that's where you can begin. The second thing we talked about there last week was your testimony is validated by the way you live. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to say, hey, I, I want to tell you about following Jesus, but then you yourself don't really follow Jesus or you do things that are very opposite what he would want. That messes up your testimony. It throws some doubt on your witness. Um, and so all, overall, and we talked about this from Acts um, 25 and 26, how the Apostle Paul he used his testimony, even when he was in front of courts and kings and in very complicated legal situations where his life was on the line, uh, he could have mustered some sort of an amazing academic defense. But what he started with was his testimony. Kind of hard to argue with it, right? If someone says, here is what happened to me, let me start there. And so it could be your most powerful tool to shine light to other people is not some sort of training you're going to receive in church. It's actually your story of how God has made a difference for you. When you share that with someone else, then you are bearing testimony, uh, you're bearing witness. So to go to the very end of the text that we left off on last week, remember the Apostle Paul was on trial and he was being heard by various Roman officials on his way up through their court system to eventually get to Rome and to be heard in Caesar's court. Um, so one stop along the way where there were Felix and Festus, we walked through all this last week, and King Agrippa was one who was just interested in Paul's case and said, I want to hear this guy too. So Paul lays out his testimony again, and he offers all, all of the story of how he saw the light literally from heaven and how God totally arrested him, changed him, turned him into a totally different kind of person. And then Paul looks at this king, King Agrippa, and says, King Agrippa, you believe the prophets. I know you do. And that's when Agrippa interrupted him. Kind of with the classic, like, wait a minute, you're on trial here, not me. So King Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Some translations even say, almost you have me persuaded, Paul. And Paul said, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. So that is, yes, of course I want you to become a Christian. That's the idea. Uh, and it's not that Paul wants him to become a Christian just because, whatever, Paul's on trial. And Paul, Paul wanted people all over the place to become Christians. Kind of brings up an obvious question, right? Why? Why would we want to see other people become Christians? You could think about Ryan and Amy. We just talked to them 
about Thailand. Why would they go to Thailand? Why are they interested in more people following Jesus? Why not just leave everybody alone? Why would you go to school and see someone in your school who's not a Jesus follower and in your heart kind of want them to know what you know about Jesus? Why would you think that about a coworker or a neighbor? So there's potentially many reasons why, but I think at the core, it's love. Because when you experience something that changes you, when you find something real, the people you love who are missing it, you want them to have it, right? In fact, you could even go so far as to say, if you don't want them to have something that is real and good, then do you love them, right? I mean, an evidence of love would be, I want to share with you what life is about. I want you to know what I found. So... We love God, we love people around us. On that basis, we say, of course, I want people to follow Jesus, but what do I say to them? How do I help them? I was thinking through what we get to share as Jesus followers, and there would be a long list here. These are some of the big categories. We share an identity in that God just rearranges our lives, gives us a new track to live on. We have joy, we have hope, we have connection to each other, life, mission, forever, future. There's all sorts of amazing things that come that are sort of unlocked on the other side of a person deciding to become a Christian. So when we would go to the the world around us and we would say, hey, I would love to persuade you to be a Christian, when, when King Agrippa asked Paul, hey, are you trying to persuade me? Well, yes, of course, because I want you to have all of this. Maybe that's your heart as well. Maybe you would say, man, this is great. Of course I want to share the good news, but how do I explain it? That is, once I tell someone my story, my testimony, where do I go from there? And uh, that's what, in the course of this series, we're walking through step by step what we say, how we prepare so that Anywhere we are in the world that God gives us an opportunity to be a witness, we're, we're ready. We're as ready as we can be. Okay. Now, here's what is interesting. If you open up the Bible and you start searching through the New Testament for kind of like the right thing to say, it gets a little bit confusing. Because each time that someone shared their faith in the New Testament, each time the gospel was presented, they said different things. They even gave different requirements for entry, which makes it a little bit confusing. It'd be easier if it was like you just turned to like, you know, whatever, the book of First Evangelist or whatever, and there it is, verse 1, say that, that's your job. But that's not how this works, because Jesus isn't a system, and Jesus isn't a doctrinal statement. Jesus is a person that you're introducing. So sometimes that introduction is going to look a little different than other times, And in fact, when you go through and you see the introduction of Jesus to people or even Jesus' direct call to them, it comes out differently almost every single time. So I just started to make a list of what this looked like and I started to think, what what is this? How do we even understand what's going on here? Then I realized this is how, uh, let me just take a little page from counseling. In counseling, there may be a consistent answer But the counselor's job is to help identify and address the gaps. So think of this, you're in marriage counseling and maybe that marriage counselor has sort of a framework in their mind of like what we we know what makes a healthy relationship. We know that there's 
communication. We know there's love. We know there's honesty. We know, you know, you make the list of the obvious things. Well, then when you're hearing the story of that person, when you're asking questions, maybe you go, hey, they, they really are being, you know, honest with each other, but I don't think they're hearing each other communicate very well. Let's go to that issue. So you address the gap of, like, here's what a healthy relationships look like. Let's zoom in on what, that, what piece of understanding that person needs. And I think that's what's happening throughout the Bible when the good news is presented. That there, there is a framework, there's, there, there is a pathway upon which we walk to go from darkness to light. The bridge we cross to put our faith in Jesus and start following him. But everybody's starting from a different place. And some people have more understanding than others. Some people have more open-heartedness than others. And so when you hear the conversation and you kind of eavesdrop on some of these things in the Bible to say, well, what, what, what did they say to that guy when he was curious? Or how did that lady respond? The, the conversations are different because the gaps being addressed are different. So let, let's walk it through this way. A little bit of a list here, not exhaustive, of different times in the New Testament the gospel was presented to people. The good news of new life is handed out. You think about when the angels came and appeared to the shepherds and all the brightness and glory of God and you know, here that today in the city of David, the Savior is born, he's Christ the Lord. These are shepherds who in their, for them, they weren't, they weren't expecting it. They, were, they needed the announcement of what had happened. Uh, it wasn't that they got the whole story. They didn't get a whole doctrinal statement to sign off on or understand everything about following Jesus. They just, the, the gap for them was they needed to know, hey, the plan is kicking off right here. Uh, when Jesus went and spoke to Nicodemus, the religious ruler who had an open heart. Well, we know he had an open heart. And so when Jesus goes to him, he, he goes to, here's Nicodemus. He knows all sorts of truth from the Old Testament section of the Bible. He's fully versed in that. Nicodemus re- needed to realize that there's more that he's going to be required to think about, that he has to be born again. Okay, but then in the next chapter, John 4 Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and he doesn't tell that woman she has to be born again. He tells that woman she needs to drink living water. She needs to meet the Messiah. Uh, We think of when Jesus talked to Simon Peter, and he said, you know, hey, just follow me. And Peter had to leave his fishing nets behind and actually follow Jesus and change his pattern of life, change his pursuit in his life. Uh, And then when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler, Remember that story? Here's a guy that was like completely willing. He was like, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, great. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you can come and follow me. That slowed that guy down quite a bit, right? So why didn't he tell the woman at the well to sell everything that she had and give to the poor? Because that wasn't her gap, right? For that guy... The thing holding him back from a relationship with God was not theology, it wasn't a lack of understanding, it wasn't needing to be some sort of announcement. He needed to give up his worship of money, his identity being rooted in what he had. So as Jesus would encounter different people and see here's their road forward toward the good news, toward the gospel, the, the, the invitation to each of these people sounds a little different. Which makes me wonder, well, what is the actual framework? Like if we're going to identify the gap and help a person fill in their understanding there or take their next step, what, do we, what, are, what is the whole story that we're trying to share? 
So that's what we're going to do today. And if you like taking notes, it's going to be pretty quick. But I'd like to give you three things, three questions you can have in your mind. This is, the, this is sort of the chain of understanding that a person needs in order to be able to make the decision to become a Christian. Now, when you hear these things, those of you who are Christians, it'll feel fairly familiar because you yourself went through this process at one time or another in your life. Okay, so here's the first thing, uh, the first piece of the puzzle that someone has to grapple with, and that is what is our need as human beings? What is the need? Like, why would I be talking to someone about salvation or redemption or forgiveness? Like, first I have to understand what need do I have? So sometimes you'll run into someone who they don't think they have any needs. They're, you know, maybe they have a really hard heart, they're very full of pride, they think they've got it all together. So for them, your conversation is a lot different than it is with the person who comes and they're already saying, man, I know how much I need help, I'm looking for that help. So the second piece of this construct is what is God's plan to meet our need? In order for a person to become a Christian, they have to see that they have a need. The next piece is, well, what is God's plan to meet that? And that's where we walk through what Jesus came to do. Jesus' grace and forgiveness, the love that's available, how Jesus died on the cross and rose again and made provisions so that we're able to find forgiveness from God. All the things that we would say are the gospel that we believe in, that's God's plan to meet our need. So obviously, a person has to believe that. They have to understand that. So you might meet a person who they're already recognizing, like, hey, I need help. I need forgiveness. I feel guilt. What do I do? Where can I find help or grace or mercy? And, and you, you go right to this. Says, well, let me tell you about God's plan to meet that need. And then here's the third piece. How do we embrace God's plan? So it's not just about knowing God's plan or even necessarily kind of believing in your mind that God has a plan. It's like, what, what is the step? What do we have to do to say yes to this, to start this? So if you think in your, kind of in your mind's eye as you're thinking of sharing your faith, you know, you've shared your story and now you're starting to walk it through and say, how do I help a person move from a place of not knowing Jesus to being introduced to him so that they can follow him, in your mind you're thinking, okay, well, they need to see the need that we all have as human beings. They, they need to understand what is God's plan to meet that need. And then if they're willing, if their heart is open, I could tell them how to embrace that plan. How do I start? So I'd like to give you a tool, a helpful little framework right out of the Bible, that if you'll kind of bring this into your heart, into your mind, it will help you be equipped for any conversation that you have with a person about their faith. Okay, so let's walk it through. Some people call this the Roman's road. Now that's actually a picture of a Roman road that has survived till today, which is pretty impressive. Um, but there's three stepping stones on this road, and I don't look at this as some sort of formula that you just say these words and then your job's done. Instead, I think of this as sort of stepping stones. That if you're saying, how do I help a person understand what they need to understand to walk forward with Jesus? These verses, there's four Bible verses associated with this, they will give you a framework in your mind. And so for me, I, and you could do this in any number of ways. Maybe you open up the Bible with the person and show them this. 
Um, maybe you just have these verses in your mind, but you don't use exactly those words. Maybe you open up your Bible app. For me, I found it really helpful to put these verses in my heart, to actually memorize these verses, so that in any situation, I don't just have my words to say to someone, I have God's word to share with them. And whether I have a copy of the Bible in front of me or not, I'm ready, okay? So I'll share these, this little scripture time with you, not by opening up the Bible here and reading it, but by quoting it. I want you to know I'm not a hypocrite in this. This is I'm committed to following this path as well as I share with people. So if you're, you're, you meet a person who you recognize, like this is all new to them, they really don't even know that they have a need. They might not even know if they believe God exists. I mean, it could be the very, very beginning of the story. So you're, you, you kind of are looking for how do I get to that first stepping stone in the conversation? The first stepping stone is about their need, and that's Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. So the need that we all have, it's not just someone or, you know, it's a, all of us, every single one of us, fall short of God's glory. And so we would say, hey, the need number one is to recognize I need, I need help from God. I, that's why we would need salvation. So for some people, when you're in that part of the conversation, you know, you might actually be describing what that looks like. Maybe they have no idea. So you'd be saying, hey, when, when it talks about sin and falling short, that means you're missing the mark of what God has designed for you to become. And so when you lie or when you cheat or when you're dishonest, when you lust or when you have pride or greed in your heart, like that, that's evidence that you need, you need help. There's, you're, 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 you've got an issue, a challenge here. So you walk through that with them. Um, in the New Testament, when Jesus would do this with people, he would usually park on this part of the conversation if the person had pride in their heart. Um, in fact, a little saying that you could remember that I, has been helpful to me is Jesus always gave law to the proud but grace to the humble. So if the person has a proud heart, then they're not necessarily ready to hear about the solution that Jesus offers or God's mercy or forgiveness. They need to recognize there's a need in their life. And so that's the first step to say Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's look at that. What does that mean? There's a perfect standard out there and we're far from it. So we need something from God. Okay, stepping stone number two is two verses, so you can memorize these. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how does God meet our need? He sent Jesus. Why did God meet our need? He loves us, he loves you. And because God loves you, he has made a path for you out of sin and into a different future. Then we get to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you live a life not ever accepting God's plan, then you'll just get exactly what you're owed at the end of your life, death. That's the wages of sin. But if you receive this new possibility, if you recognize God is for you and you say yes to him, you can take advantage of this gift, a gift that God will give you, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in each of these pieces, there's obviously more to explain, right? This is just kind of giving you in your mind a little bit of an outline of what it looks like to actually walk through the gospel with another person to share with them what they need to know. 
So maybe, they've, maybe they're saying, they're kind of nodding along. Maybe they're agreeing, like, yes, I have a need. I realize I'm far from God. I realize I've sinned. I'm thankful that Jesus came and died on the cross. I would, I, now, what do I do? Okay, that, that you're stepping stone number three, Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's a transformational moment for any of us, right? When we realize in that moment, I'm not the Lord, you're not the Lord, Jesus is the Lord. And so when I recognize that and when I admit that, when I confess that, my whole life changes. That's the pathway of accepting God's plan. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and then believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're believing something in your heart about God, God being able to do the miraculous, God having power that works in the real world. It's not just about agreeing that it happened in history in some sort of a dusty old book. No, there's power available. You're, you're saying, I believe in Jesus. He's the Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. When your heart says that, when your mouth says that, God saves you. Your whole life, your whole trajectory starts to change. So when you're on that stepping stone, now you're conversing with the person about what it really looks like to live as a Christian. Now, at any one of those stepping stones, somebody could stop and say, I don't believe that. Right? So you start with human need. Um, what's wrong? What's the problem trying to be solved? Maybe the person won't agree. Okay? And, that's, and the conversation doesn't go very far. Maybe you get to the second stepping stone and you're talking to someone about what Jesus accomplished and why we would put our faith in Jesus and how that helps us and the person's shaking their head, I don't understand, or I don't agree, or I need more time. Okay, the conversation pauses there. Maybe the person agrees with the first two things, but when it gets to step three, they say, I'm still holding on to whatever, my old life. My, I don't want to change my life. I don't want things to be different. I, I want to be the Lord of my life. Maybe they're thinking that way. So that, that conversation's kind of paused, and you say, at any point on this journey, it might take a person some time to walk through this. Um, but here's the spirit in which we do our job as witnesses for the gospel. We don't come at this with some sort of superiority thing or any kind of pride in our heart or arrogance about what we would believe. Here, here's a great way to think of it. Uh, Christian evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. So Jesus changed your life. I mean, did you deserve that? No, Jesus forgave you, gave you hope, a future, eternal life. Did you deserve any of that? Well, no, but you found the bread, right? Like you've got it, and now you're looking around going, I, there are people all around me who have no idea that this is possible. They've never met Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. They, they don't understand the true Jesus in the Bible. And so, Lord, would you make me a witness so that I could share this good news with other people? That's, that's the heart of this. Um, you're coming at it not to try to prove that you're right, not to try to get people to come to our church, um, not even really to get people to join religion. Or the, That's all secondary. It's really about God has offered you something amazing, and out of the love in your heart for other people, you say, I want them to have that too. And so the transformational power of Jesus, the good news, the forgiveness of God, like that being available is worth sharing. And so if there's another beggar out there who needs bread, I'm willing to share with him where I found mine. So we go back to the beginning here where we started. King Agrippa is, 
interrupting Paul, saying, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Which I was thinking about. How, how long does it take a person to understand all of this and actually become a Christian? It's probably different for every individual, right? So your story, your testimony, maybe, maybe it was really quick. Like maybe the first time that you really heard all this and somebody put it together, you were like, yes, that is what I need, that is what I want, and you step right into a commitment to Jesus. That's possible. Most people's stories, especially the older they get before they follow Jesus, the longer the runway is, where they're, they might step onto stepping stone one and just think about that and have to grapple with that for a while, and maybe multiple witnesses God uses in their life to help them take that step. And then they, maybe they go to a church service and they hear a few things, or they read a book, they see a few more things, they have a conversation with a coworker, they get another idea, and then one day, finally, they're at step three, and they're, they're going, okay, yes, I am ready to embrace this. I'm ready to say yes to putting my faith in Jesus. So there's a process involved, right? And for some people, that process is almost immediate. For other people, that might be years of faithful witnesses who themselves might have walked away kind of discouraged, like... You know, I said something to this person, they didn't even listen, or they didn't even hear me, or they totally misunderstood. But God was using those little, like, sort of elements of witness to build up in that person's heart so that one day, uh, they too could believe in Jesus. So the Bible doesn't actually tell us whether King Agrippa put his faith in Jesus. I kind of think the answer is he didn't, uh, because it's, that would have been a fairly big deal, and I would imagine history would have reported that to us somehow. Um, but here King Agrippa was hearing Paul's words, and in one translation it, he, it, it even says kind of like, You're, I'm almost persuaded here. In fact, there was an old song written off of this verse, and I wanted to read you a couple verses from that song. Um, it's, the title of the song is Almost Persuaded. I'm thinking about our heart to share Jesus with other people knowing it's not really our job to persuade. We can't make a person believe. Uh, we can't talk them into it. In fact, if you talk them into it, somebody smarter is going to come along and talk them out of it, right? So it's not an issue of, can you do this thing? You're just the witness that God will use. And you're using your life and what God's Word says to pour into that person. And, and you might just be one voice of many that needs to speak into that person's life before the day that they also say yes to Jesus. Say, Lord, whatever job I have in the storyline of this person, I, I want to be faithful with that. Uh, that's where I feel like it's so helpful to have some key scriptures memorized and a little bit of a framework in your mind just so that you're able to say, okay, I, I, I realize God might use me in the whole process with somebody or I might just be in charge of one tiny part but I want to be faithful in whatever way that I can. So King Agrippa heard all Paul's argument, he heard Paul's testimony, and, and Paul looks right at him and says, hey, you, you believe this, don't you? And King Agrippa says, ah, you know, almost. You really think in just a short time you're going to convince me to become a Christian. So here's a song that was written off of that, um, almost persuaded. I'll read it as a poem. I'm not much of a public singer, as most of you know. Um, here we go. Almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on thee I'll call. 
We have that temptation, right? Make a big decision, big commitment, changing our direction in life. It's easier just to say, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Maybe when I'm older. Maybe when I've got some of my other problems dealt with, then I'll come back to this. I'm almost there, but not quite. Second verse says, almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. O wanderer, come. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail, but lost. So here's the challenge we have. There are people all around us who are at different stages in their spiritual understanding, maybe even standing on different stepping stones along the road. Some people are almost there, like they're almost to the place of saying, yes, I surrender, I will give my life for Christ, I want to go forward believing in him. Almost isn't there, almost is still a fail. Maybe God will use you to offer them the invitation they need. Say, hey, is there anything holding you back right now from putting your faith in Jesus? Other people are not persuaded at all. They wouldn't say almost, they would say, I don't even know what you're talking about. They're way at the beginning. And God might use you to help them get their first building blocks of understanding that eventually will lead them to faith. That's where we go out saying, Lord, I want to shine my light. Not saying, Lord, who can I convert today? Or, you know, how can I convince someone to think the way I think? But instead saying, Lord, I know your light needs to shine. I want to be a faithful witness to that light. And whether I get to share for just a few seconds with someone or whether I get to open up God's word and walk the whole story through with them, Lord, would you give me the opportunities today with the people around me that I can share? I believe if you have an open heart and that's an honest prayer, God will give you those kind of opportunities. There are people everywhere who are hungry for truth, that want to walk forward in life in a new way. There are people that the Holy Spirit is already working on that might be people you'll meet tomorrow, and God wants to use you as a part of their story. So we'll pick this up next week. Uh, we'll, we'll dig a little deeper as far as how we actually share the gospel with people. But today, I want you to be encouraged by this. Last week, we learned that our story, our own story, is probably the most powerful tool we have to start with. And we all have that to begin with if we've become a Christian ourselves. Today we learn that the actual message of all of this is not very complicated. Um, it's, it's just helping people step forward in understanding to meet Jesus in a personal way. And whoever you are and what you're starting with, God could use you to do that. So let's pray for his direction and boldness uh, to be faithful to share those things. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us, in your word, a clear pathway, a pathway to respond to you in faith. We understand that there are many different texts in your word we can open up to to share with someone who doesn't yet believe. We realize that there are many stories to tell, evidences to offer, 
um, conversations to have. But we also know, Lord, that you ultimately are in charge of people's souls, not us. You want us to be faithful testimonies, faithful witnesses, willing to open our mouths and share your word, perhaps to people who've never heard anything like this before, or maybe to someone who is very, very ready, they're almost persuaded, and our testimony or our word of encouragement might be the thing that helps them take their next step. So Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would consider ourselves a light bearer this week, that we would see ourselves as a witness, sharing the good news, sharing our source of bread that has satisfied our souls, that has given us hope for the future, knowing that so many people around us need that hope. So give us boldness, give us opportunity to share this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. We'll see you next week.